Guys, it's really good to be able to be back uh, with you this weekend. And uh, if this is your first time checking things out, so glad that you're visiting us online. I'd love to hear from you. Love to hear that you're dialing in and I'd love to hear how we can encourage you, how we can pray for you. It's really good for me to be back. I've been away a couple weekends. Uh, I was out in Phoenix. My uh, niece got married and so we had a chance to go out and be a part of that. And then last weekend, I was part of an organization coaching young pastors down in Tampa, Florida, right? Uh, and so good time with that, just good time investing in them. God's doing some rich and robust things in and through their life. Flew back from Tampa, and uh, I flew back Monday because I had a funeral I needed to be a part of and get organized, and then I was teaching a class. On the way back on the airplane, uh, I had an allergic reaction in my eyes. And uh, by the time I got off the plane, my eyes were just swollen. My whole face was swollen. My wife met me here at the church because we hadn't seen each other for uh, a couple days. And when she saw me, she's like, oh, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, well, it's good to see you too, sweetheart. You know. But she ran to CVS to get some Benadryl so I could have my meetings and teach my class. And the pharmacist asked her how old the man was she was getting the Benadryl for. And she told the, the, the pharmacist my age, and the pharmacist said to her, hey, with older patients like that, we like to make sure we're careful giving this Benadryl. <laughs> so I don't know. If you're the pharmacist and you're watching this, man, I don't think 35 is that old, right? Hey, but it's good to be back with you. We're on this journey. JC, uh, I call him JC, Pastor Jonathan, did a great job kicking this off last week, talking about prayer for several weeks. And uh, we're talking about prayer. We have some resources online. We've already talked about that some week before. But if you haven't checked those out, go online, check those out. We'd love for you to be praying for us uh, during this 40-day journey of prayer. We wanted to spend a few weeks on prayer. And the question is, why? Why in the world do we want to have this conversation about prayer? And the answer to that is this, because you pray. Uh, statistics say most of us pray. You probably pray. I mean, you might be like praying in the car or maybe throwing up a prayer here and there. Maybe it's not you pray long, <laughs> but, but most of us pray. Jesus even confirmed that. We said, he said this, and when you pray, right? When you pray, and he's assuming that they pray. Statistics say this, even there is a small percentage of those who would claim to be atheists who pray. Uh, we learn prayers early in our life. We have memorized prayers. Uh, do you remember this one? God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. I found out there's more to that. By his hands, we are all fed. Thank you for our daily bread. I grew up in the mountains, man. We just said this way. Thank you for the meat. Let's eat, right? <laughs> but, but maybe you memorized that one. Or how about this is like my all-time favorite. Can't figure out why they taught this one. Now I lay me down to sleep. You know this one? Say it with me. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And teaching this to your little kids before they go to bed and close their eyes. If I shall die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take, right? You wonder why your kid can't sleep. It's because you're teaching him that prayer. I bet, right? Or how about this one? Some of you know this one. God grant me the serenity. You know this one? Y'all know this one. To accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference. I, I love that. I saw a, a kind of spoof on that. I said, God, grant me the serenity to accept stupid people the way they are. I'm not saying it's good to call people stupid. Courage to maintain my self-control and the wisdom to know that if I act on it, I'll go to jail. 
<laughs> Memorized prayers, right? We have routine prayers. As a kid, I remember prayer was interesting, at times confusing to me, but it was entertaining. I remember we had this guy in the church where I grew up, and uh, when my dad was praying or someone was praying, this guy talked just as much as the guy that was praying, right? And I used to peek, man. I'm like, I didn't know if you were allowed doing that, and I'd peek, and this guy's like, hey, man, hallelujah. He's like saying all kinds of stuff. It was entertaining. It was confusing. And I remember thinking, man, why is he doing that, right? I remember my mom, like, longest prayer I knew, man. She just prayed and prayed and prayed. She was a prayer warrior. All kinds of prayers, right? We pray. That's why we're having this talk. Because the fact of the matter is we pray. You pray. Whether it's Hail Mary prayers, right? Or, you know, foxhole prayers or grocery list prayers or maybe hipster prayers. Yo, God, what's up, right? But the fact of the matter is the reason we're having this conversation is because we pray and we can pray wrong, right? You can pray wrong. I can pray wrong. Maybe you didn't know that, but Pastor Jonathan kind of alluded to that last week. Uh, you and I can pray wrong. We can pray at the wrong time. Did you know that? <laughs> ah, kind of, sort of. Uh, some of you would know the name Pastor Bob. He's an older pastor here at our campus. And, uh, uh, and those of you who know his name, when he was in graduate school for pastors, that's called seminary, he fell asleep in class. He loves to tell this story. And his friend who was sitting beside him kind of poked him and said, in the middle of class while the professor is lecturing, hey, Bob, the professor asked you to stand and pray. Right there in the middle of class, Pastor Bob stood up and prayed in the middle of that class. When he got done, the professor said, are you finished? So we can continue on. <laughs> you pray the wrong time, right? You see, we can pray wrong. Jesus alluded to that as well. He said this, don't be like the hypocrites. He said, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. We can pray to the wrong audience. You ever been around somebody, maybe you're this way, right? Uh, what's it mean to pray to the wrong audience? Well, praying to the wrong audience is when I pray so that I'll impress others, so that you'll be impressed with me. And so we put on these big superlative prayers, right? We're like, man, I said these big words. And I had somebody come to me one time and say this to me, say, man, you know, Dan, you are a great prayer, I love listening to you. I'm like, well, I wasn't talking to you, right? Uh, we can pray to, to, so that others are impressed with us, or we can pray to the wrong audience. We can pray to impress things on others. You ever been around something like that? They preach a sermon in their prayer, and you're pretty sure they're praying those things because you're there, right? Like, God, I pray, and it's something that you're dealing with. Yeah, we can pray to the wrong audience, but then Jesus goes on, he says this, don't keep on babbling like the pagans do. That's people who don't even follow God. For they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them. We can pray the wrong way. Praying like people who don't even trust God. That's a pagan. Praying for them becomes this religious duty or activity to somehow try to get God's attention. Now that word babbling in here, that's an interesting word because it simply means this thoughtless and meaningless words. He says, I want you to pray with a thoughtless, meaningless, just going through the motions. But then he says, your many words, that's anxious, nervous words. Like, I got to make sure I get his attention. I need to say so many Our Fathers or Hail Marys to somehow gain and garner his attention. We can pray wrong. Jesus says that. That's why it's important for us to know that we can learn to pray. We can learn to pray. You have your Bibles, and I would open them to Matthew chapter 6 because that's where we're going to continue reading. And Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. In fact, in Luke's account, the disciples ask him, would you teach us to pray? It's interesting that they wanted Jesus to teach them how to pray. I don't know who taught you how to pray. Pretty cool, Jesus teaching you how to pray, right? And so this is what Jesus did. He said, this then is how you should pray. 
Jesus teaches them to pray. And then he says, this is how I want you to pray. And I wonder if you would just do me this favor. I don't know where you're watching this, listening to this. Would you say this out loud with me? If you can see the screen, say this out loud with me. Let's just pray this together. It's kind of a familiar prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then he says, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For, for many, maybe you, this prayer is a dead ritual. Maybe you said it as a kid, grew up in a tradition that said it a lot. But as we look at this, we realize that this dead tradition needs to be resurrected and realize the power of what Jesus is trying to teach them. And there's a pattern to it. We're going to look at this next two weeks. That he kind of does this introduction. He says, our Father in heaven, we're going to talk about that in a minute. And then he says, look, the key word, hallowed be your name. It's about your kingdom. He starts the prayer, your, 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 right? Your will be done. And then he says, give us daily bread, forgive us our debts, lead us, not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one. This interesting pattern that helps us understand the power of this prayer. There is a reason Jesus taught them to pray this. And it was not simply so they could recite it at weddings and funerals. That's normally where we hear this. But he taught them this for a reason. And I think it's good for us to uncover the reason. And he starts our Father in heaven. Jesus begins by reminding them and us subsequently of who it is they're praying to. I think Jesus begins this way because praying in the right direction begins with constantly reminding myself of who I'm talking to. When I pray, I'm not talking to you guys. Whether I want you to be impressed with me or I'm trying to impress something like prayer is not talking to you. I'm not talking to Mary or one of the saints. I'm talking to God. And he says, God, our Father, listen close. Prayer reflects my relationship with God. Write that down. No slide for it. Prayer reflects my relationship with God. Here's the problem. For some of us watching this, maybe this is you, I don't know, maybe you can relate with this. We have what I would call a business relationship with God. You know what a business relationship with God is like? I'm trying hard to get God's attention so I can gain his affection. I'm gonna perform to be accepted so that I can be rewarded. That's how business works. That's how you work with your boss. You perform so that he'll accept you, so he'll reward you, you get the bonus. And that's why some of us in our prayer life are angry. We're angry because we feel like, God, I deserve this from you. I've held up my end of the bargain, but whatever it is we're praying for doesn't feel like he's holding up his end of the bargain. Or that's why some of us are anxious in our prayer life because we know we're not holding up our end of the bargain. And so we pray with many words, trying to gain his attention and garner his affection. But this is not business terminology. I want you to get that. Write that in your Bible somewhere. This is family. This is relationship. And, and it's different in a family. Because in a family, in a family relationship, I don't do something for you to get something from you. I am something to you. And I am responding to your attention on me. That is demonstrated by your affection for me. 
You see, I am something to you. My kids do not need to do something for me, for me to pay attention to them, for me to give them my affection. But they are my children. And therefore, they have my undivided attention and my deep affection. He says prayer reflects your relation. This will revolutionize your prayer life. It reflects your relationship with God. He says, our Father, I would write it down this way, we pray to the God who invites us into his family. Just write it down somewhere. We pray to the God who invites us into his family. The prayer that will revolutionize the rest of your praying and transform all your other prayers is the first prayer to say yes to God and his invitation to be forgiven of your sin and to become part of his family. Say that again. The prayer that will revolutionize all the rest of your prayers and all the rest of your praying is the first prayer to say yes to God's invitation to be forgiven of your sins and to become part of his family. Well, how does that happen? Well, the one teaching the disciples how to pray, teaching us how to pray, Jesus, he is the one who became the way for us to be part of God's family. He lived the life that I have not lived, but he died the death that I deserve to die so that when I say yes to him as my Savior and as my Lord, I am not only forgiven of my sins because that's what he took my punishment for, but he rose again, and when I say yes to Jesus as my Savior, I place my hand in his, and he escorts me to the table called the table of the family of God. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Not are you a good person, not are you religious. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Just stop with me for a minute. Would you pray? If you've never prayed that prayer, God loves you, and you can pray right there, God, I believe you love me. And I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died in my place for my sin. And today I want to say yes to him as the only one who can save me from my sin. And I believe he rose again. And I want to say yes to him and grab his hand as he escorts me to the table of the family of God as one of your children. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that with me, I'd love to somehow hear from you because the moment you accept Jesus as the way to have this kind of relationship with God, you're forgiven, ushered into the family as an adopted child of God who now calls God Father. That's why I love what Galatians says. So in Christ Jesus, it's the only way, it's the only way you can call God Father, you are all children of God through faith. The only way to the table where I can call on God as Father. The only way I can pray the way Jesus is teaching here is if I pray that first prayer that says yes to his invitation to accept Jesus Christ as the way to the table where the children of God sit. And then prayer be begins to pop because prayer is intimacy with the Almighty God. He's our Father. Prayer is experiencing reverence and relationship simultaneously. Write that down somewhere. That's good. It's re relationship and reverence experiencing it simultaneously. Here, here's the deal. If I have relationship with God, 
but I don't experience reverence. It cultivates a flippancy. Yo, God, what's up? That kind of thing. But if I have reverence with no relationship, it cultivates this empty ritual, this duty where prayer becomes sterile and lifeless. You see, it is reverence and relationship. And when I talk to God as my father, duty becomes passion. I'm invited into this relationship, not because of anything I've done, not because I deserve it. I'm invited to the table. Get this, get this, get this. Because he loves me. Period. Full stop. And he loves you. If you don't, if you're not familiar with this verse, write it down, go look it up, circle it, highlight it, put it somewhere you can read it. See how very much our Father loves us. For he calls us his children. And then it's like he almost, and that's what we are. Just say it out loud. I'm his child. And all of a sudden, duty becomes passion. And, and, and when that happens, I become real when I pray. You know why? Because Jesus references this earlier. We have a father who knows us. He knows what we need. He knows us deeply inside and out. I don't need to, in my prayer life with my father, fake him out. In fact, I can't. It's silly to try. I have a dad who knows me. And not only that, when I pray this way, I realize that I'm at peace, ready? I'm at peace, this change, when my prayers don't go answered the way I pray them. Why? He's my father. He loves me and he knows me more than I can even understand, but he knows more than I do. And he'll give me what I need or what I'm asking for or... Or he'll give me what I would have asked for if I knew what he knew. You see, here's the deal. If, if, if unanswered prayer leaves you angry or anxious, it might mean that you're off kilter in your relationship with God. And maybe, maybe you have relationship with God no reverence. And if that's the case, you're going to see him as a sugar daddy in the sky, the supernatural sugar daddy who gives you whatever you ask for, whatever you want, and there's no reverence. But if there's reverence and no relationship, you're going to see him as a distant deity. He's mad. He's not. He doesn't care. He's not involved. But when I see him as a father, I can live at peace when my prayers aren't answered. I can be real, and I can keep coming back to him, just like a child would with his father. I love that. Our Father in heaven. The prayer is, is responding to this invitation of the God who invites us into his family. But Jesus is teaching this and he says this, Hallowed. Say that, Hallowed. I like that. It's kind of a church word. Everybody say it out loud. Hallowed. That's <laughs> weird, right? Hallowed be your name. What in the world is Halloween, right? Hallowed. How many times do we use that in a sentence? When's the last time you ever went to somebody and said, Hallowed? You know, we just don't do that. I read of a kid, this is years ago, I read of this. He grew up in a tradition where they prayed this prayer all the time every week. And he would listen to it, recite it. He knew it by heart. But when they got to this part, he thought they were saying Howard. <laughs> and so our father who is in heaven, Howard is your name. The kid grew up thinking God's name was Howard, right? <laughs> Hallowed, what is that? 
It's an old English word that maybe hasn't been updated for us. And here's literally what it means. If you're taking notes, write this down somewhere. To be holy, revered, set apart, respected, treated as the ultimate and absolute thing among all other things. Write that down somewhere. That's good. Set apart. Treated as the absolute thing among all other things. To make something the ultimate concern and treasure of my affection. What we're saying is, Father, more than anything else, we want your name, which, by the way, the name of God and names in the Bible represent it all that you are. We want your name to be our ultimate concern and treasure, the truth and the treasure of who you are. We want to be somehow consumed with. The names of God are fascinating when you read in the Bible, just in the Old Testament, there's all these names of God that he is the Lord, our sovereign, God, the God of Israel, the Lord most high. He's mighty, everlasting. He's the one who sees us. He's the God who's sufficient for our needs. He is our eternal creator. He is our maker provider. He is a sacrificer and sanctifier. He is a banner over us. He is our shepherd. He is our healer. He is our rest. He is our peace. He is present. He is our righteousness. All the names of God that you find in the Bible represent who he is. And what this prayer is saying is, we want your name, the truth of who you are, and the treasure of who you are to consume us. Here's what we're praying. Father, help us to orient our lives around the truth and the treasure of who you really are. Write that down. Let's talk about that. We want... You, God, to help us, Father, help us to orient our lives around the truth and the treasure of who you really are, all the things your names reflect. Because here's the deal, Satan wants to rename God, or at minimum, he wants to take away the complete and accurate reflection of the truth and treasure of all that the name of God conveys. Did you know right from the beginning he does that? Chapter 2 of the book of Genesis, right at the beginning of the, the, you read it and underline it says, the Lord God, the Lord God. Chapter 3, Satan shows up in his first deception. He doesn't say Lord God. He all of a sudden shortens the name of God, God. And instead, he begins to re-communicate what God communicated to Adam and Eve. In chapter 2, he says, you're free to eat from all the trees. In chapter 3, Satan says, no, uh, that was what the Lord God said. He said, did God really say you can't eat from the trees in the garden? And what he wants to do is he wants to somehow remake the name of God. You ever have a, a movie that, that was your favorite movie? And then they try to remake it. It's never the same. There's always something missing. Satan wants to remake it. Now, maybe totally take it away. Remake it so that it causes you, ready, to doubt the goodness and the grace and the faithfulness of God. And that's what happens right at the beginning of the story. And when we say, hallowed be your name, hallowed be your name, we are saying, hallowed is God. We want to look at God and the treasure that all his name reflects about him. Here's what it means to grow in my understanding of what his name means. Hallowing, think about it this way. Raise your hand out there, you like to swing on a swing set. Some of you are your old people like me, huh? Yeah, yeah I, I still like to swing occasionally. I got grandkids now. And what's the thing about the, the, the more you grow up, the what? The higher you want to swing. 
hallowing, the name of God, means swinging higher and more vigorously into understanding who God is. Let's put a picture up here to remind you of that. Now, here's what it means. Listen, listen. If I'm going to treasure the depths of God's forgiveness, I'm going to have to kick into the heights of his holiness. His forgiveness isn't going to pop if I'm also not swinging into his holiness. How about this? To treasure and appreciate the personal and intimate nearness of God and how cool it is that God is a God who's personal, intimately involved, he's near. To appreciate that to the level that I want to appreciate that, I'm going to have to kick in to the profound and infinite bigness of God that he is totally other than. You see, howling the name of God is just swinging, just swinging in my understanding. Guys, don't you think this is interesting? The prayer that Jesus is teaching doesn't begin with a petition, but it begins with praise. I think that's on purpose. It is the name of God that I want to orient my life around because the name of God reflects the truth and the treasure of who God is. As you know, do you know what? Do you know what it is to orient your life around the truth and treasure of God? Do you know what that is? Let me show you something. Romans chapter eleven. Just look at the screen, and I'll read it. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God! His judgments unsearchable, his paths beyond tracing out. Who's known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Who's ever given to God? Like God is so big. From him and through him and for him are all things. The truth and the treasure of who he is. To him be the glory forever. Amen. It's like that is profound. That is, that is recognizing the truth and the treasure of the name of God. What's the response? The very next verses. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You see what it says in yellow? True and proper worship. True and proper worship is when my entire life reorients to the truth and the treasure of who God really is. That's how the prayer begins. God, would you reorient my life to the truth and treasure? I don't want the remake Satan's trying to steal me, to, 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 to put onto me. I don't want the remake that maybe our call, whatever it is, I want the truth and the treasure of who you really are. And I want that to reorient my life. That's worship. And our entire life becomes an act of worship. Next thing, Jesus says, is your kingdom come. He says, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What's that about? <laughs> I, I think what he wants us to know is our Father is a king and he's established his kingdom in the life of everyone who accepts and acknowledges Jesus as king and Lord of their life. And I think this prayer is saying we want, we want what you want. We want to be doing what you're doing. We want to partner with what you're pursuing uh, when, when my kids were growing up, uh, one of my kids, uh, my youngest in particular, Aaron, he used to have this thing. Aaron's big thing was not just quantity time. He wanted quality time, but he wanted both. 
He, he didn't want just quality time with dad. He wanted like quantity. And here's how it would play out. I'd come home and, and, and Aaron would ask me all the time on a regular basis. He says, hey, dad, ready? What are we doing tonight? He didn't tell me what we're doing. He asked me what we're doing. Why did he ask me that? Because whatever I was doing, he wanted to be doing. Didn't matter what it was. It's like, what are we doing? And he's like, I'm gonna, I, I want to hear what we're doing, Dad. I want to hear what you're doing so I know how to adjust my schedule to do what you're doing so I can partner with what you're doing, pursue what you're doing. I want what you're doing to be what I'm doing. That's what this is saying. I want to be doing what you're doing. Prayer is treasuring the presence of God and participating with the plan of God our Father. Here's what we're saying. Father, advance your kingdom in and through our lives every day. Advance your kingdom in and through. We want to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And that begins by the kingdom of God advancing in my life. Guys, just stop for a minute and let's take let's step out and let's step back in. Jesus in Matthew 6 is teaching them to pray in the middle of a sermon he's preaching, and the sermon is all about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And what he's teaching them in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is that we live in a world where sin has caused everything to be upside down and we've just gotten used to living in an upside down world. And we like to say it this way, Jesus came, Matthew 5 through 7, with a right side up kingdom message in the middle of our upside down world. And he began to talk about what it means for him to be a king, what it means to follow him as a king. Jesus will not make sense to you and I apart from us understanding the right side up kingdom that he came and preached about. And when the kingdom of God is advancing in our life collectively, it looks different in our upside down world. All of a sudden we lead by serving, not by subjecting people. In the right-side-up kingdom, the first are last, the last are first. In the right-side-up kingdom, freedom is actually found in forgiving those who hurt me, not in looking for revenge. In the right-side-up kingdom, it begins to advance in my life when all of a sudden hate is replaced with love. When there is joy in my life, not in hoarding, but in giving away. Uh, it begins to advance in my life when the things that matter to him matter most to me. When my number one question is, what are you doing? That's what I want to be doing. When instead of judging others, I'm introspecting my heart. You see, here's the deal. The kingdom is not going to advance in our life simply by going through religious motions. The only way for the kingdom of God to advance in our life right now, right here this minute, in your life right there, is for me to daily surrender the throne of my heart to Jesus as King. That's what it means back in Romans to be transformed. It's the only way it's going to happen. For me to surrender the territory of my heart. And, and then here's what I know, that, that he wants to advance his kingdom in my own heart and life as I surrender. But then he wants to advance this kingdom through us, through me, through you. Every time somebody sees the demonstration of the right side up kingdom in our upside down world, and then they hear the communication of this right side up kingdom message in our upside down world, the kingdom 
of Jesus, and they respond to Jesus as King, Savior, and Lord, the kingdom advances, just like seed being scattered is how Jesus taught it. What a privilege. What a privilege it is for us that what matters to us matters to him, and what matters to him is that this kingdom advances in the hearts and lives of people living in an upside-down world. In fact, here's something he says that's interesting to me, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. That's an interesting passage. Like that's our mission. What is he... What are we up to? What are you doing, Father? I want to make sure the gospel of this kingdom is preached everywhere. And the end will come. And then when the end comes, here's how the end is. Like, what happens then? Does everything's obliterated? No. He establishes his kingdom here on earth. You see, the story is about his kingdom. The part of the prayer is in essence saying, I want your kingdom to be established in my life today because I know someday your kingdom is going to be established here on earth. Here's what we're doing. Ready? We are asking him to orient our lives around the truth and the treasure of who he really is. And then we are saying that it's his kingdom that we want to be the passion and the priority of our life. How about one more thing for today? Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Now listen, listen, listen. I can't separate his will from his name. I can't separate his will from his kingdom. But the problem is this. Can we just be honest? Let's be honest for a second. The problem is sometimes our will collides with his will. Anybody been there? <laughs> Come on, raise your hand. You're lying if you don't have your hand up, right? Sometimes my will collides with his will. We want to make our name great. We want to advance our kingdom. So therefore, we want our will to be done, not necessarily his. And I think that's where this prayer gets real. Because what we're saying when we say your will be done is this, Father, when our will wrestles with your will, and it will sometimes, you win and we change. Sometimes prayer is wrestling with God. You ever read uh, of a story? There's a guy in the Old Testament. It's kind of an interesting story. Uh, but it's one that is very near and dear to me for multiple reasons. It's a guy whose name was Jacob. Jacob was constantly wrestling to get what he wanted in life. In fact, it, literally, the story, he's in the womb, he's a twin, and he's wrestling in the, in the womb. He's wrestling with his brother in the womb. He wrestled to get his father's blessing. He wrestled his brother's birthright away from him. He wrestled his way through getting his wife eventually. He had to wrestle with his uncle just to get what was coming to him. Jacob's life was a constant wrestling match. Can you relate? Until it came to a culmination in a very obscure story, hard to understand story, where he comes across the stranger in the middle of the night. It's interesting, the book of Genesis. And the Bible says that Jacob spent all night wrestling with that stranger. He was trying to pin the stranger, only to find out as daybreak came that this wasn't just anybody he was wrestling with, but it was God in human form. And as nightfall began to evaporate, God showed his power to the one he had mercifully wrestled with all night long. He simply touched his thigh. And when he touched his thigh, his 
hip jumped out of socket at that moment. It was then that Jacob realized that he had spent the night trying to wrestle with God and trying to pin God, and now he realized God's grace to him in not killing him. You ever think about that? God could have just like, well, you want to wrestle me? Like, boom, done, over. <laughs> TKO, I guess that's boxing, right? Yeah, he, God could have like, done, but God in his grace allowed Jacob to wrestle all night long until the morning, and he would not let go. Jacob would not let go. Why? Because now he wanted not something but he wanted someone. And so God blessed him and changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And do you know what Israel means? Wrestles with God. Listen to me. We're about done. Sometimes prayer is a wrestling match where we're trying to pin God. We're trying to pin God because we want something. And he wrestles with us in his mercy until eventually he'll touch our will and it breaks. And instead of longing for whatever that something is that we just want him to give us, we want someone. We long for him, his glory, his plan, his priority. We want his agenda. We want his will more than anything that we could have ever pinned him for. And once he touches us like that, it changes us. This kind of praying changes me, changes you, changes us. Some of you are wrestling with God right now. Can I tell you this? I'm a man who wrestled with God. He and his mercy did not kill me. And I would say this to you if you're wrestling with God. Prayer is part of wrestling with God. Keep wrestling Keep wrestling. He'd rather you wrestle with him than run from him. Keep wrestling. Don't let go. Because at the end of that, it's not something that you want, whatever it is you're trying to pin God down for, but he'll wrestle you till it's someone you want. And that's him. His glory. His will. His kingdom. Prayer. Our Father invites us I wonder if we could end the way we began. Will you join me and pray? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And thank you, Jesus, for teaching us how to pray.